my entire week on a story. Yeah. That was going to be a two-parter. And then last night, I went to go finish it because it was one of my kids' birthdays Yeah. this week, so I was distracted. Right. And I was going to finish it last night, and there's, like, a whole other side of it. And you're probably like, I cannot do it justice. I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't wrap it up in the amount of time I gave myself. Yeah. So I instead <laughs> chose to... Scrap it. Scrap it. <laughs> not scrap it. Just put it to the side for another day and do a whole new story at 1130 last night. Nice. Um, oh, that's stressful. Yeah, it was really fun. I think it's funny, though, that we both were on the same brainwave that were like, uh, let's dial this back. And do one episode today. Yeah, we're going to record two just so we could have it spaced out. But here we are with one singular, uh-huh. singular focus or story. <laughs> this yeah. story is going to be great because I can't talk. Yeah, so well, what's new? Okay, so wait, tell us about um, being a maid of honor. So far, so good. Yeah? I, I- mean... I haven't had to do much of anything quite yet, other yeah. than planning things is harder than I thought it would be. With so many people involved, it's got to be hard. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, I haven't had to do much of it yet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, when it comes to, because we're going on a cruise for the bachelorette thing, mm-hmm. and so we're going to have five days on this boat that... I'm not, I'm personally not going to plan all five days, but I'm going to have some activities just for the girls to celebrate Jordan, but I don't know if she, she doesn't want to be at the center of attention, but I'm like, I'm sorry, that's just how this is. Natural for the bride to be the center. (laughs) Yeah, so we're just going to make it chill, but fun, and we'll see how it goes, but yeah, it's, it's not terrible, because I have five months until the, the trip, and so... Are you getting a lot of people, like, RSVPing for the bachelorette party? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, more than I thought That's because awesome. of the trip, you know. So yeah. I thought people would, some some people wouldn't go. So. Right. But, I, I mean, some people aren't going, but more are going than I thought yeah. they would. Just because it's, it's pricey. Yeah. But it's good. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But other than that... That's fun. It's it's been a couple weeks of literally nonstop birthdays. My kids' birthdays are two weeks apart. Yeah. And so yeah. we do something, a fun day for their birthday with just us in our little tiny family, and yeah. then we do their birthday party is shared, which is really nice. Yeah. Because I only have to do one a freaking year. <laughs> it was so stressful. I put way too much pressure on myself. It is stressful. But you want to make sure they're fun and not bored, because right. bored kids, it's, it's tough. You, like, you know, they end up finding their own fun, which is usually destructive fun. Yep. And then, um, so I wanted to keep them entertained anyway, so we had to do a joint birthday party, and then, like, the next birthday, like, day, was Axel's, and then we went to the zoo, and anyway. Yeah, more cold than I thought it would be. Jeez. I've been I've been teased by the weather in Utah, and I know better because I know it just switches back and forth constantly yeah. all freaking spring. Goes from seventy six on Friday to thirty three on Sunday. Yeah, it's freaking stupid. And so I was cold, but it was still fun. Like it was fine. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Um nothing. <laughs> I One thing that has changed since last time is that I have unlimited data on my phone. That's nice. That's for the first time ever. I've never had unlimited data ever. I had it back when I was on Sprint, but yeah, I don't have it anymore because I am literally just always home on my Wi-Fi. Yeah, that makes sense. But where I'm, I'm delivering and stuff, I'm like, I should probably get unlimited. Because our, our bill was like $200. Oh, shit. And we're like, uh, our phones are paid off, too. So, like, that's a lot of extra. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally just made the switch. Yeah, that's good. That'll be way, way nice to have. Yeah. I've noticed, though, that my phone battery does not last nearly as long. Isn't that weird? Yeah, if you're, if you're on, I mean... 
Yeah, I don't know how it works, but if you can get on a Wi-Fi or something, then it's way better, but... Huh. That's the only thing that snows me, though. Same old same for me. Don't you feel like over two weeks that something would be, like, oh, different? This this thing happened. I mean, mine's been way busy, but on a normal two-week span, it's like, I've been working. Yeah. <laughs> I've been home. I haven't done much at all. Yep. But, okay, are you ready for my story that I did last night? Yes. So, I'm sorry if it sucks, but no. here's the thing. You get what you get. It's going to be great. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I'm just going to tell a story. Okay. Okay, so just a precursor. My sources are um, New York Times, Deseret.com, Wikipedia, and Murderpedia. Okay. Margot Bond went missing on her way to work at Kennedy Junior High in February 1992. Okay. I know this story. Yeah. Well, do you know the whole thing? No. Okay. No. Well... Just the highlights. So... She went missing on her way to work, right? Okay. Um, just a few months later, her body was found in a shallow grave in School Valley on June 21st, 1992. Okay. Police immediately looked at her husband, Warren Bond, but he was like, obviously denied it. Of course, I didn't kill my wife, whatever. Really quick, where is uh -huh. School Valley? Twilla, I think. Okay. So, or around Twilla. It's in the area. Okay, so not that far. Yeah. So, um, he denied it. He said he didn't kill his wife. He had no motive, nothing like that. He offered to take two polygraph tests, and he passed both. Um, so he was removed from the suspect list. Okay. Um, Margo's two sons, Ryan and Bodie, um, they, them and some other family and friends, still kind of suspected that he was involved or responsible for Margo's death. Really? But he had a, a few family friends that, and neighbors that said, you know, like, I've seen them together, like, they're not, he didn't do it, you know, yeah. they believed that he didn't do it. So three years went by, and, you know, what's his name? Warren, sorry. <laughs> uh, Warren, he was, uh, you know, would go to grocery stores, and he'd be, like, whispered and pointed at, and, like, Ugh. people were, like, you know, did he do it? Yeah, he, or, he was the talk of the town. Yeah, yeah. and he was, like obviously embarrassed and sick of it and like he knew he didn't do it but you know can't help the rumors right right but three years later um after her murder roberto uh, uh, okay hold on you're gonna have to edit this because i don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> okay. roberto aguilas okay i don't know confessed to killing Margot while he was serving time for other heinous crimes so, let's talk about Roberto, okay? Yes. He was born February 14th, 1962 in Kearns, Utah. I mean, what else do you need to know? <laughs> um, he, <laughs> when he was young, uh, his stepfather moved their family to a pig farm in Salt Lake City. He was 15 when he began his life of crime um, by trying to steal a car, and he was, like, caught and placed on probation. I'm sorry, but do you think that there's like a stereotype with pig farms? I feel like if someone tells me they're on a pig farm, I immediately assume that like they're killing, feeding people to their pigs. Like, yeah. So you're like, like, so that you're like one. killing people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, because like, freaking Criminal Minds has yeah. ruined me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just assume Well, that. same with that movie. What's that movie about the 911 call? Um, the, the, there's the dispatch officer who goes and saves that little girl. He's also on a pig farm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just... So maybe that's a red flag. <laughs> maybe have pigs and horses and you'll be okay. Yeah, make it an all-inclusive <laughs> <Yeah>. farm. <laughs> You're just a weirdo if you like only pigs. Okay, let's see. So... Yeah, so he was 15, still in cars, getting in trouble. Um, as he got older, his crimes got worse. At 16, so just a year later, he was sent to a youth shelter for beating up his girlfriend, brother, and his mom. Oh, my God. He was there for only a month. He escaped and ended up returning a few days later. Later that year in October, uh, he kidnapped and molested a 10-year-old girl, but he didn't get jail time. The juvenile Gosh. court sentenced him to house arrest. What? Yeah. 
And I'm pissed off that they did because just a couple, or the next month in November, he was charged with molesting a seven-year-old girl, but the charges were later dropped. Are you kidding? Nope. He's 16 at the time. So he's already doing the worst things you could think of, right? Yeah, and getting away with it. Right. While awaiting trial on the molestation charges, Roberto was charged with the February 1979 rape of a 17-year-old girl. Um, He was found guilty for both charges, placed on the State Youth Development Center. So they sent him to the State Youth Development Center in Ogden, Uh and they said, you know, we recommend that he's detained for at least until he's 21. But the center didn't have a treatment or therapy program for youth sex offenders and tried to have him transferred to the Utah State Hospital, but the state hospital rejected him because he was, quote, unmotivated for treatment. Um, Hmm. So the center tried then to get him sent to a California treatment center. That failed. So they decided in December 1979 when he was 18 years old, just to release him, because they couldn't get him in a treatment program. Well, what does it mean to be unmotivated? Like, like He didn't want to get better. And, okay. You can't force him, but also, like, do you just let him go? You know? Well, they chose to just let him go. With the pinky promise that he would um, go to periodic meetings with a sociology graduate student from U of U for therapy. <laughs> That's all he had to do. Wow. And of course, he's 18, mm-hmm. and he didn't do it. And who's gonna hold him accountable for right. that? Yeah. So yeah, he he was uninterested in that. And where so, are his parents? I don't know. Um. Anyway, but of course, just a few months later, March 3rd, 1980, Roberto kidnapped a 15-year-old Granger High School student drove her to an old shooting range where he sexually assaulted her, threatened to kill her if she told anyone, and then dropped her off in front of her school. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. And then, not just three days later, he picked up a 14-year-old girl on her way on her way to West Lake Junior High, drove her to a dirt road to his stepfather's pig farm, back to the pig farm, where he sexually assaulted her, threatened her with a knife, and this girl fought back, good for her, and he ended up slashing her throat (gasps) before dropping her off in a nearby neighborhood in West Valley. Is she okay? Yeah, she managed to get a walk to a house nearby um, and asked for help, and she rushed, they rushed her to Pioneer Valley Hospital, and she was treated for her injuries, and she told police everything. She was able to give them a descriptive explanation of him and the truck he was in, uh-huh. and it led to his arrest. So, yes, fight back. Do yeah. everything you can to get away from these people, and then tell the police everything, because he's not going to come back for you. No. He's not. No. Wouldn't you rather him be locked up than have the, like, nerves that he's around? Yeah. You and know? Like, and, like, that constant, uh, like, wondering if knows where you are. Right. That's what I'd be paranoid about. It's like, right. Oh, yeah. So, really? Roberto was arrested, obviously, and confessed to both attacks, and, sorry, it's like the bumps in the road are, like, making the bubbles in my throat come Oh. <laughs> so, Roberto confessed to both attacks and pled guilty to two counts of attempted murder, aggravated rape, and sexual abuse. He was transferred to Utah State Prison to serve his sentence. His appeals were repeatedly denied, but eventually, on June 25th, 1991, Roberto was released on parole. So on August 1st, 1992, which is almost a year later, Roberto was posing as a security guard when he approached two siblings, a 10-year-old girl and an 8-year-old boy, in front of the Orchard Elementary School in West Valley City. He was claiming that he was looking for some stolen items and pretended to frisk them for those items and ultimately sexually assaulted them and dropped them off at home. Okay. Um, That makes me terrified for my girls. I mean, as a young kid, you kind of just do what a police officer says. And if someone's posing as a police officer, what do you do? Like, even just thinking about me, if I see someone dressed as a police officer and they tell me, like... Get out of your car. Get out of your car. I'm not going to think twice. I would probably get out of my car. Mm -hmm. But that makes me feel... Like, have a lot of nerves about trusting anybody. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, let's see. 
A week later, he used a fake police badge in front of Hunter High School and tried to get two 10-year-old girls into his car. He was spotted by a highway worker, and they immediately notified police, and he was arrested shortly after. Wow. Yeah, that person totally saved those girls when from trauma. When you see trauma. something, say something. Mm -hmm. He was charged with molesting the siblings and found guilty and sentenced to life, but with the possibility of parole. So, Justice Kenneth Rigtrup strongly recommended that Roberto never be paroled due to him continuing to return to sexual assault crimes. Yeah, because he's not learning his lesson. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he can't resist his urges. He can't control his... He can't control himself, so, I mean, like, he shouldn't be released, right? No. So, three years into his sentence of the sexual assault crimes, Roberto was bragging to cellmates about abusing and killing young girls and women in 1992. Police got wind of this and decided to interview him in 1995. Mm -hmm. So, he was locked up in 1992 when he was arrested for, you know, attacking the young siblings, mm -hmm. or assaulting the young siblings, and then three years into his sentence, he's bragging and saying, oh, I did this, and cellmates talk, like, mm -hmm. if they can get a deal, yeah. they're gonna snitch on yep. you. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. I'm sure information on other inmates is what... Is valuable, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, these confessions he made over time with investigators include these stories. February 1992, Margot Bond, from beginning of the story, yes. right? She went missing on her way to work at Kennedy High School... Um, another story, March 30th, 1992, two friends, 15-year-old <clears throat> Wednesday Roberts and 16-year-old Lisa Martinez went missing, walking toward Valley Fair Mall. Roberto was able to direct police to their bodies that were buried on his stepfather's pig farm. Um, he said he stabbed Lisa 43 times with a wood chisel and strangled Tuesday with a rope. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Also, in 1992, a 13-year-old girl named Stephanie Blundell was found stabbed to death in American Fort Canyon. And he confessed to that? Yes. Oh so my goodness. So those three, or four more murders, he confessed to once police, uh, once police heard from his cellmates, right? Wow. That's all in one year. That's all in one year after he, when he was on parole. Wow. So, if you think about... So, it, that same year is when he assaulted the kids, mm -hmm. right? Um, and tried to pick up this two 10-year-olds from yeah. high school. So, he not only was continuing his sexual assault crimes, but they kept getting more violent mm -hmm. to where he was killing them. So, huh. a family friend named Pamela Milstein was a prison inmate who used to live with Roberto and his mother in a trailer in Kearns, Utah. Mm -hmm. She corroborated his confessions. She said that Roberto had shown her some of Stephanie Blundell, the 13-year-old, some of the jewelry he took from her after he killed her. So she knew. Yeah. The, all these people stay effing quiet for some stupid reason, because they're all freaking scum people. Ugh. And karma will always come find you. Honestly, like, people are gross. Ugh, I hate that. Once police were able to find the bodies of the young girls and women that he killed, he was later charged with all four deaths. But before the charges could be brought to Roberto, his lawyers tried to get the sex offenses convictions overturned on the grounds that he had ineffective counsel. No. Right? Oh, he went and talked to somebody about it, so let's not charge him about yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, uh, no, they didn't, he didn't have a great lawyer, they, you know, they charged him too fast for these, so he, it should be overturned and invalid. Um, no. Mm -mm. The plea was shot down by the Utah Supreme Court, who, who reaffirmed his convictions, and Good. they're like, F you. Like, yeah, you, nice try, but no. Yeah, this is not. Like, you're not getting away with this any longer. Right. He was brought to trial May 1997. He immediately announced that he intended to plead guilty, waive his right to appeal any convictions, and he wished to be executed for his crimes. Huh. He also opted to represent himself at his sentencing hearing, which was granted by the judge. They're like, sure, go ahead. Yeah, this is never a good idea. Right. But... You can try. Usually they want to represent themselves because they think their lawyers are incompetent and they're going to get them off. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, no, nah, 
like, I can do this. You are not capable of getting me le- a lesser sentence, so I'm going to represent myself. Ted Bundy, for example. Yeah. But this guy was like, let me represent myself so that they will execute me. Oh, okay. So. That was part of his strategy. Yeah. He's like, you're going to do too good of a job. Yeah. I need, he, I want to be executed almost. Which mm. I, I wonder sometimes when it comes to cases like that, and we've seen a few of them in my stories where mm-hmm. people are, like, eager to be executed. I kind of wonder if they have it in their brain where they're kind of, like, struggling with the idea that they've done these things, but then also can't help themselves but to do it. So mm-hmm. they're like, I'm the worst kind of person because I did this to somebody but I need to keep doing it. Like, it's, it's almost like it's a like multiple a, personality yeah. thing. Yeah. Or even just, like, you know, just have demons and you can't... I don't know. Yeah, or, like, I wonder if it's their way of... Like, kind of what you were saying, like, putting them out of their misery within themselves. Yeah. You know, where it's like, well, I'm not going to get better, so what's the point? Yeah, and honestly, if he's in prison for molesting children, he's probably treated horribly, mm-hmm. so... It kind of makes you against the death penalty if you think of it that way, because it's like, no, you should, you should suffer, right? Yeah, yeah, but like, it's hard. But then also, it's like, no, but you shouldn't breathe anymore. <laughs> you like, know? I don't want to. I don't know. Use my taxes to pay for you to eat and yeah. be comfortable, and yeah, I'd rather you just. What if we just dropped them off like in the middle of the ocean for fish food? Like, uh, what's Circle the California one? Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. They were on to something. <laughs> they were on to something. Why isn't it still a thing? Remember Prison Break? When yeah. they put them in the middle of the desert and just, like, yeah, kind of fend for themselves? There you go. I mean, I'm not against that idea either. <laughs> we're like, I love that we're just like, this is my idea. This is my right? take. Yeah, this is my opinion, and I have every right to have it. And some of listening disagrees, and they're just shaking their head at us, and we don't hear it. No, because no one says if they like us or not. Yeah. Side note, <laughs> give us some feedback, you guys. Uh, we have not heard. We've heard crickets. We see that we have listeners, but we don't know what you guys think, so it makes us nervous. Tell us what you think, whether that be good, but mostly the good stuff, not the bad stuff. No, don't tell us anything bad, because I can't handle it. Yeah, no, we can't handle it. You can just keep that in your head to yourself. <laughs> so we'll Maybe you. that's why we haven't heard anything, is because they're like, if I can't say anything nice, I can't say anything at all. Probably. Well, okay, well then leave it the way it is. Yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. keep doing what we're doing. Yes. Ah, okay, let's see. What am I saying? So, during the trial, Roberto seemed uninterested in the witness's testimony against him and refused to allow photographs to be taking a, taken of him. But even still, they allowed him to ask questions to the witnesses. He asked questions to anyone who testified against him, the detective that interviewed him, why let him have that floor to ask questions? I thought that was kind of weird, but I think he was still on the side of getting him executed. So I don't think he was trying to prove anyone wrong. Hmm. But I I don't know. I would love to, like, hear that. If if somebody who, like, killed my child asked me a question, I don't think I would ever I would have answer a hard, them. I would have a hard time not, like, jumping at them and strangling them, you know? Yeah. Wow. Anyway... So, while his stand-in attorneys, who were chosen as advisors, suggested that their client suffered from blackouts and even possibly had a multiple personality disorder, Roberto continued his attempts to give himself a death sentence, explicitly proclaiming, I can't read, (laughs) explicitly proclaiming that he wished the judge, not the jury, hand it down to him. So he is just like... Who needs the jury? You decide. Just get it over with and let me die, basically. Hmm. On June 21st, 1997, Roberto was sentenced to the death to... Oh, my God. Hold on. (laughs) Ah! Okay. On June 21st, 1997, Roberto was sentenced to death for the four murders. Hmm. His chosen method... For death with firing squad. Uh, I'm sorry, I just next told time. you. He requested that he not get the black cap over his head when they shoot him because he wanted to see death coming. So when you're you yeah. get the firing squad, they put a black mask over your head. I think they do that for electric chair as well, mm. so people don't watch your face when you're electrocuted. Oof, yeah, I never thought about that. But for firing squad, they do that so it's like the person won't see anything. Yeah, that makes sense. But 
he's like, no, I don't want that. Just Would he actually see the bullet, though? No, but he'd see all the little guns pointed at him. Oh. But I'm like, why not? If they're there for the death penalty, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. The people that they killed probably saw death coming, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, his initial execution date was set for a couple months later, August 22nd, 1997, but it was appealed to the Utah High Courts because his attorneys believed he suffered from mental disabilities and felt like he needed a different, uh... Trial? Kind of to see if he actually needed the death penalty because they thought he was mentally not all there, right? Yeah. Um, after a year of waiting for his appeal outcome, Roberto attempted to hang himself in his cell, and he was unsuccessful. After that, he basically became unhinged, which I wonder if it was because of lack of oxygen, because when he tried to hang himself, he, mm. like, I felt like it made it worse. Yeah. Um, so he began to eat his own feces and pieces of paper and plastic. Like, he really probably did have a brain issue at this point. I yeah. mean, not, he might have before, but whatever it was, I think like it you said. it got worse, and it escalated a little bit, because, yeah, he just became kind of crazy. He be, or he had to be taken to the hospital twice for intestinal block, blockages, because he was eating Anything. plastic. Wow. Wow. Whenever he had to go to court, he had to be strapped to a wheelchair with a mesh mask on his head, so he couldn't spit on anyone in the courtroom. Like, he was just, like, totally lost it. Wow. Um, which I think at this point, after, I feel like after he attempted to hurt himself, he, I think it did get worse. And at that point, I do kind of feel like they could have kept the, uh, what is it called? Life sentence? Mm-hmm. But now, I, I don't know, I feel weird about, like, the death penalty for someone who has mental disabilities, you know what I mean? Yeah, at that point. So it kind of, I'm still on the fence about whether or not that... But that's the thing, okay, okay, so here's a hypothetical situation. Okay. If, let's say, let's just like totally a random thought, let's say somebody just killed someone, Uh and then they get into a car accident after, and they're basically a vegetable, should they just unplug them? I don't know. You know, like if if there's full proof that that guy killed someone and like he wrote it down on a piece of paper or something, and then and then he's in like a vegetative state. I feel like it depends mm-hmm. for me on the scenario. I guess, like I, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's true because he can't. Like at that point, could he even like speak for himself if there right. was more information that came to light? You know. Right. I don't know, because I get so nervous about the people that, like, get falsely... Accused. Accused or and like charged. Or or something. And I feel like you just never know, but I feel like even if you're a vegetable, you should get a fair trial. <laughs> you just can't, like, defend yourself. Right. It just is... I don't know. Yeah. Hypotheticals stress me out. Ah! Alright, so he just kind of went nuts, right? He's an unhinged and kind of, like... I feel like he's mentally just dissolving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on November 5th, 15th, 2003, a guard passing by Roberto's cell noticed that he was unusually quiet and upon closer inspection realized that he was unresponsive. He was quickly driven to the infirmary where he was pronounced dead from natural causes half an hour later. He was 41. Wow. So, obviously, the victim's family had mixed emotions. Some believed it was unfair that he didn't reach his execution date. Others were just kind of glad that he was gone. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Martinez, Lisa, who is the 16-year-old who was murdered, um, her mom said when she heard that he had died in prison, she cried all night. She said it did not bring her peace. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, he gets to rest, but I'm still out here in the world, she said. I still have to live with losing my daughter. Right. And that's the story of Roberto Argelis. Man, that was a good story. See, what's crazy is I only had heard about the teacher that went missing. She was actually a janitor. Oh, janitor. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that was the only part of that story that I knew. I didn't know that this guy did other stuff. He was a serial killer. He was called the Salt Lake City Strangler. That's crazy. And and he did all of that when he was on parole. I I struggle with this because I feel like 
When you are a child molester and you've repeatedly been sentenced for child molestation, what the hell is anyone doing letting you back out? There are still children in the world. You still have those urges. You're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And he continued to prove that he would do it again. But yet, why would you ever let him out? He He had a life sentence. Yeah. In what world would you choose to parole him? And he was paroled after how many years? Like five? It was three-ish. Three? That's so not long enough. No. Like, he was a violent criminal, and they still were like, oh, you know what? Let's give you another shot. But he then murdered four people, molested two others. <sighs> that is... Yeah. You, you hope that people can change, and yep. you hope that there's some kind of, like, rehabilitation within the system. Yep. You hope for that. But stories like these, you're like, is it even possible? Yeah. You know? And if it is possible, should they even get the choice to be let out? Like, okay, you can you can be rehabilitated, but you're still in here. Yeah. You're still in prison. Mm-hmm. You don't get second chances. You don't get to just walk down the street willy-nilly. But then he poses as a police officer. And for that, that scares me. And so, so I've heard... That if you're pulled over, you're alone, mm-hmm. it's nighttime, you're, you're getting pulled over for something, you can drive until you're in a well-lit parking lot that has security cameras for your own safety and that's you'll be okay. But, like, that's why people ask for badge numbers. That's why people ask for, and, you like, record. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like recording a police officer is always, like, meant to be... What's the word? Antagonizing. Yeah, antagonizing. I think, I mean, maybe that's the main purpose. But for me, if I were to do that, it would be for my own safety mm-hmm. of... Like, I'm going to make sure that this is documented. In case. Because there's, there's bad cops. There's people who pose as cops. Mm-hmm. There, but there are also really good cops. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't want to discredit any other, like, police officer. But I'm saying there are scenarios where, I mean, being targeted by someone who's posing as a good person... And you trust that wholeheartedly. Like, it's hard now to trust that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to trust the good guys because people can put that face on so easily. Yeah, especially if they're, like, a freaking psychopath. So, I mean, shout out to all the good cops, but just be aware. Be safe and put yourself first, I guess. Right. That's, man, that's a sad story. I know. But I hate that. I hate... It scares me because I'm like, how are... My kids are like, oh, they love police officers. Every time yeah. they see one, every time they see a cop car, they're like excited. And I'm like, I want them to be able to trust police officers. But when you have psychos that pose as them and psychos that become police officers, mm-hmm. it really sucks that that's not a fully trustable position. Yep, for sure. <sighs> Stresses me out. Me too. Well, because it's like, how do you how do you weed out the bad ones? You know, right? You just have to have something bad happen to you, I guess. Yeah. To know. The cool. I know they're even running around oh. all over the. It's the first one I've seen. Parking lot. But um, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And if you're hurt by a police officer and you go and re- report it to their coworkers and they're like, he wouldn't do that. Like you're lying. What do like, you do then? Who, who do you go to at that point? Right. <gasps> That is stressful. <laughs> I know. It scares the well, shit out of me. Well, I was watching this movie last night. What was it? It's new on Netflix about uh, an Olympic skier who becomes like a gambler. It's a new movie on Netflix. I haven't heard of it. I forgot what it's called. But at the very beginning of the movie, she gets a phone call in the middle of the night, and it's like the FBI or the SWAT team or something. And they're like, like, hello, Mrs. Whatever your name is. Uh, if you don't answer your door in 30 seconds, we're going to, like basically tear it down and Mm -hmm. you're going to be arrested so you have the option of just coming to the door with your hands up and I told Mitch I'm like what if it's not the SWAT team because she's she's like who is this like who are you and like oh this is eight or officer so-and-so but it's just like that could be anybody right like if you're convincing enough yeah and just know their phone number and where they live you could totally be like hey come out with your hands up or else I'm going to take your your door down and they might yeah. But who are, like, who... Moral of the story, don't freaking trust anybody. <laughs> right. Give me your badge number first. <laughs> yeah. What's your badge number? Let me go to my computer. <laughs> right. 
But if the SWAT team's coming at you, you're not in a good position anyway to, like... (laughs) That's true. Yeah, she did something wrong. She did something. I didn't... I fell asleep in the movie, so I don't know what she did. (laughs) Honestly, I'm terrified of all people. Well, I'm very stressed out right now. Like, seriously, it's like, who who can you trust, you know? The people you're supposed to trust the most are... That's why I feel like they need to stop selling, like, police officer uniforms at the costume place. But I feel like you could pretty closely figure that out they don't make them super officially but then also like what do they do with the used ones like do they get burned where are all the used uniforms going i bet they do like rip them up and yeah they'd have to because then anybody can be a cop just send them to the (laughs) di yeah (laughs) okay do you want to describe where we are it almost looks like the place i got married but smaller scale yeah, it does, huh? Yeah, so I got married at the Provo City Library. It looks like a giant castle, but it's just a library. Yeah, it's like a colonial castle. Yeah, it looks like... It actually, to me, looks like like a building in a movie that would be like a school. Yeah. Schools now don't look this, like, fancy. No. But it kind of looks like a... Like a school in London is what it looks like. Yeah, you know, good guess, because we are at Westminster College in Salt Lake City, which there is one in London called Westminster. Oh, well, well, look at me go. This is not affiliated with them. Well, Provo City Library used to be BYU. Oh, really? I don't know. Find out later. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... No, yeah, because grandma... My... Our grandma... Uh, our dad's mom went to BYU there. Oh. And that's what she was telling me. She was so excited that I was getting married at her school. Oh. But now it was a library. <laughs> huh. Which, why did I get married at a library? I honestly never read a book if I don't have to. Yeah, I don't know, man. But I do know that it was really pretty. On the outside. The ballroom was very yellow. The ballroom was pretty. That's the part I remember the most. I feel like I just see the yellow walls. Were they yellow? In, in my head they are. I like yellow. Yellow is my least favorite color. Really? It's mm-hmm. my favorite, so... I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was, your wedding was great. I would redo a lot of things if I could. Yeah, I guess I would suck part of, like being part of a wedding party like years after you've already been married, because it's like there's new trends, there's new stuff happening. It makes me feel really shitty about the choices <laughs> I made. I'm like, why didn't I think ahead that this would not be cute <laughs> in the future. I was very much in the age of burlap and lace. Uh, That's what the the themes were when yeah. I was getting married, so it was like... <sighs> I feel like around the time that you got married, though, and my first wedding, was when Pinterest first came out. Yeah. So it's like everybody had the same wedding. Yeah. You know, almost. Whatever was on Pinterest is what everyone's wedding was. Yeah. Yeah. And where now people are trying to be a little bit more, like, creative with where they get their Everyone wants to be unique, I yeah, feel like, unique. and that means that your wedding's going to be unique. Yeah. But I feel like we were, yeah, we were in the age of Pinterest, so mm-hmm. it was like... Like, we just went with whatever good ideas came at us. Yeah, and it was all DIY stuff, too. <laughs> so a lot of our stuff was DIY, which is not bad. It no, was just no. like, we just... We're like, we can do everything ourselves to make money, or to save money, and we ended up spending quite a bit to DIY. And the part about, like, saving money is being able to resell your stuff after. Yeah, so if it looks like shit, because you did it yourself, (laughs) right? People are like, oh, good try. Yeah. Does the glue come off? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Anyway. back to the story. (laughs) So yeah, we're at Westminster College in Salt Lake City, Utah. The exact address is 1840 South and 1300 East in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we're probably going to hear that every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes? Yeah. How annoying is that? So we're going to know how long the story is every time we hear this. (laughs) Okay, it's not that long. So let's go back in time to the late 1800s. And back then, this property was just a farmland owned by the Ferry family. Eventually, the Ferry family donated this land to the First Presbyterian Church. That was so that they could build a church here because at the time there was a conflict between the Mormon community and the people that were traveling to Utah because they're like, everything here is Mormon, like like heavily LDS-based. 
And if you're not Mormon, you're not in the club. And so they're like, we need to have an... still the case. Yeah, it's so true. Like, if you aren't part of the ward, then then your neighbors are like, oh, well, you aren't invited to the barbecue. Oh, your kids can't play with my kids. Yeah. 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 It's very much a Utah thing. For sure. Or like, oh, our kids can't play on Sundays, so tell them to stop ringing our doorbell on Sundays. (laughs) It's the weekend. Let kids be kids and let kids play. Yeah. Seriously. Anyway, there was a conflict back then because people that were moving to Utah wanted, you know, education. They wanted to go to college, but the colleges here at the time were very heavily LDS-based. Yeah. So they're like, we need to have another system. So the Ferry family, they were part of the first Presbyterian church, and they donated this land so they could build a church for that community. Okay. In 1908, a women's only dormitory was built called Ferry Hall, and that was named after the family that donated the property. And it stayed here from 1908 until 1987, so almost 80 years before it was torn down. Hmm. During the 80s, so before it was torn down, students said that when they stood outside of the building, there was a statue on the inside that seemed like it would move from window to window. So it was kind of like the the paranormal activity that happened with that building is that people were like, statues are moving. That's weird. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, that's bizarre. On campus, there was also a building nicknamed the Gore Building, which was which is short for the Gore School of Business. And in 1988, one year after the Ferry Hall was torn down, they built an extension of that building over where Ferry Hall used to be. Mm. So, since then, so since they built that addition onto that piece of land where the Ferry Hall used to be, an apparition of a man is usually seen pacing back and forth in front of the building at night. So creepy. Isn't that creepy? In the Gore building, also, the elevator has been known to travel from the first floor to the second floor on its own. And in fact, when the building was dedicated on on October 19th of 1988, the president of the school was giving a lecture or a speech about the dedication. And the elevator doors behind him kept opening and closing on their own. Weird. I think it's the elevators doing, like, the last story you did, the hotel, the Bigelow Hotel. Uh How it just kept going to the 13th floor, right? The 13th, 11th floor. 11th floor. Yeah. But it just, that was its where it went, and they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why. I think that is so freaking eerie to me, is yeah. elevators. Because it reminds me of, like, the horror movies back in the day when it was all about elevators. <laughs> I what, swear. What's that one about the elevators? Um, it was, it was, um... Where it's like the old lady was the... The demon, but it's like the devil. Oh gosh, devil's floor. I don't know. Hold on, because that one, that was one of the last horror movies I watched as a teen that really got me. Yeah, that that, that gave me, me trust issues. <laughs> I'm just like, any old lady could be a demon. <laughs> I'm I'm googling horror movie old lady demon elevator. What was that? It was devil something. This keeps saying relic, but that's not it. We're gonna. We're going to find it. I'll keep thinking about it. Continue your story, and we'll... Devil. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one. <laughs> devil. <It's> devil something. <laughs> We're idiots. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, yeah, the, the elevator at the Gore building opened and closed on its own during the dedication okay. speech from the president of the school. Okay. What else happened? Oh. So... Ferry Hall. So Ferry Hall was the women's dorm, right? It got torn down in 1987. Mm-hmm. There's also a men's dorm, which is called Foster Hall. And now it's no longer a dorm, but it's the arts and sciences building, as well as the faculty offices. Staff say that when they're in this building, they hear noises coming from the attic, and when they go look, their items that they store up there have been moved around. You know what? I had, in, when I was in college, but I was at my own apartment building. Mm-hmm. My shit was moving around. I'm pretty sure it was my roommate, Demi, but I there was no proof. And it was scaring the shit out of me. But every time I went into my room, even when it was locked, my stuff would be moved around. It makes me After this story, it makes me wonder, like, how many dorms... I know you were in an apartment, but how many dorms are haunted? Because of, like, sadly, a lot of suicides happen at school. Yeah, or, like, people that just go missing in college, and then their spirit might go haunt, you know, because it's, like, mm-hmm. not settled or whatever. Ugh. Yep. Terrifying. Uh, We're going to go back in time again, though. So, back when this land was just farmland, Mm -hmm. there's a story about a legend of a little boy ghost. 
And the legend goes, the little boy was playing around Emigration Creek, which actually runs right through the campus. Oh, it I does? Can show you, yeah, I can show you a map of the campus. I think it's over there. Yeah, and it just runs, like, right through the campus. Hmm. So, Emigration Creek, back when this was just a farmland, this little boy was playing at the creek. He was trying to catch some frogs to pass the time while his dad was plowing the fields. Finally, this little boy caught a frog, and he ran to his dad to go show him, but unfortunately, his dad didn't see him running towards the tractor, and the boy was sucked under and ran over. Oh, sad. Yeah. It's said that his spirit um, still plays by the creek, and sometimes in Hogle Hall, which is a building next to the creek, and it used to be dorms. I don't know if it still is or not, but people that I was talking to were like, oh yeah, I used to stay in the dorms in Hogle Hall. So... An apparition of this little boy is seen playing by the creek and sometimes in Hoko Hall. Uh, the drinking fountains will malfunction by turning on by themselves and they'll flood the hallways. There have been times that random sightings of frogs have also been found around Hoko Hall. Hmm. Ghost frogs? Real frogs. Oh. So people think that he's like bringing playing these with... frogs oh. to show people what he found. It was like the oh, legend. Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. I'm like, <laughs> there's ghost frogs? Not ghost frogs, real frogs. Real frogs, but played with by ghosts. Yes. Got it. Right. Summoned by, by ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the drinking fountains will malfunction on their own by turning on by themselves and flooding the hallways. You'll see frogs. And some also claim that they hear a little boy giggling through the hallways. Oh. Uh, one time, some students were studying in the lounge when they saw an apparition of a little boy floating around the room. Uh, students and staff have also said that the lights will turn on and off on their own. There have been deaths inside Hoko Hall, two of them being suicides, and one of them was an accidental death in the showers when a girl suddenly had a seizure and she slipped and fell. That's my worst. I have anxiety that I'm going to slip and fall in the shower and right? die. Like just pass out because the yeah. water's too hot or something? <laughs> like, yeah. For sure. <laughs> and it said that her spirit lingers in the showers. Um, so yeah, and, sorry, my font is really small, I should have made it bigger. Can you change it? Probably, but I just keep losing my place. Oh. Okay, I'm just going to say this again. So, there's a death in shower, and then so her spirit is known to linger in the showers because of that accident. Um, there are also... People say that there's also, like, this overwhelming sense of gloom in the dorms because that's where the suicides have also happened. Um, One Facebook user named Lex S. told me that she lived in a dorm in Hoko Hall and said that she never experienced anything, but one time she used a Ouija board and was told that she was communicating with a little boy who had drowned in the creek. Oh, wow. Ouija boards, though. Yeah, seriously. Scary. Bad juju. Well, it's just like... Am I talking to a little boy ghost, or are you just pretending to be a little or boy ghost? Or are you the devil himself? <laughs> right. Um, near Emigration Creek, there have also been sightings of an apparition of a woman in white. Some describe this woman as being seen in a white wedding dress. Oh, weird. Uh, this property has been used as a wedding venue for decades. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. According to Westminster College... I keep saying Westminster... It's Westminster. <laughs> so if I say that, I'm I know sorry. What you're yeah. So according to the Westminster College Haunted Tour podcast, they even have a Haunted Tour podcast. Cool. Um, in one of their episodes, they say that this woman in white could be the could be a bride named Kelly Sullivan, and she she suddenly died at her wedding here at campus. The story goes that she collapsed before ever walking down the aisle, and her cause of death. Cause of death was never explained. <gasps> she was, she was the victim of cold feet by the husband. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, probably. Others believe this woman in white could be the spirit of another bride who, along with her husband, uh, they died on their way to Wendover. Uh, they're going there for their honeymoon when a wrong way driver crashed into them. And they also, both died. Wendover for your honeymoon. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, it's better than Why not go that way and go to Park City? Cheaper, but... Gambling, free rooms. I guess I would do if I... Well, I don't know. Your honeymoon? No, not a honeymoon. 
Wendover is not a place for a honeymoon. No. It's not. No. Any men listening? <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, is it the men that normally plan the honeymoon? Or is that... Traditionally? We didn't do that normal. Like, we didn't do things normal. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't... I don't know. Like, traditionally, is it the man's decision? I thought it was the man who paid for the honeymoon. Oh, I don't yeah. think I, think you're I right. know anything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm out of the wedding. It's the woman d- who rule. pays for the wedding. Yeah. And the guy pays for the honeymoon. Yeah. I think that's right. Well, I don't know. Well, we'll look it up later. <laughs> but that's sad. Yeah, it is really sad. It's believed that she lingers here because this is the last place that she felt truly happy and she was with all of her friends and family. Sad. Some say they will see a white blur falling from a bridge that goes over Immigration Creek, which I think is behind this building. Weird. But some people think that the reason they see this white blur is because maybe there was another bride who committed suicide by jumping off the bridge. Just a legend. But not proven? Not proven. I didn't, couldn't find any info. Mm. On most of these stories, I really couldn't find any proof. So a lot of these are just campus legends. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it's on their website, it's on their podcast episodes, like the school's official so stuff. Do they, so do, do the podcasts and stuff, like, do they do um, investigations where they get, like, pictures or evidence or anything like no, that? No, it was really just, like, a scripted, like... Like, storytelling Yeah, storytelling. Oh, okay. And I saw online that they even do this, like, haunted tour at their orientation for the school. So oh, if you fun. go to the school, you know about the stories. And so that's why I feel like a lot of them could be... A lot of them could be exaggerated. It'd be cool if anyone listening has proof of something that happened here. Like, if, yeah. if you got a picture that had something weird in it, a recording yeah. or something, I'd love to hear it. Honestly. There was a YouTube video that I found of somebody doing an investigation oh, here. Okay. So we'll get there in just a second. Oh, okay. Sorry. A Facebook user named Jenna R. says that when she lived in a dorm here on campus, she one time saw ghost feet walking along Immigration Creek, and she said that she could see it from her bedroom window, and it was in the middle of the day. So it sounds like these paranormal activity things happen not just at nighttime, but also during the day. So, like, she saw footprints in... It said ghost feet. Actual feet. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Jenna also said that when she was staying in that dorm, she was chased down the hallway by something that she couldn't see. Yes, no. I hate that so much. <laughs> you know? Like, if your gut is telling you that there's someone with you... And to run. <laughs> then you run. <laughs> yeah, you don't... You don't need any more evidence than that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> she also mentioned that uh, she had a window that was just above her br- above her bed, and every night around 3 a.m., she would hear three distinctive knocks on that window. Freaking witching hour. She said that she was always too afraid to look outside because she learned that in... She didn't say if she was Native American, but she said that she learned that in a Native American culture, mm-hmm. you don't look outside the windows at night because you don't know what you're going to see. So she would never look out. Interesting. Yeah, it is I mean, I get it. <laughs> well, and what was funny is, like, as I was writing that, literally right behind me was my back door, which uh-huh. is all glass window, and it's pitch black outside. And you're like, don't look outside, don't look outside. <laughs> That's when they get you. <laughs> so I, I always, not. so my basement, like, has windows, but it's like the dugout, like, window yeah. thing. What, what I, I don't know what it's called. The window... Ditch. Uh, <laughs> window ditch, yes. But, like, I'm always scared I'm going to see someone... Because it would not be, it wouldn't make sense if there like was crouching someone. crouching in there? Oh, stop with the crouching in <laughs> your eye twitches. <laughs> yeah. But, like, seeing someone in that window would not make sense, so I would know that it was something else. Yeah. And so I hate when my curtains are open mm-hmm. because. Even just a little bit, because you're like, that's where they'd peek. I that's know, yeah, because I'm going to see be. a freaking eyeball staring yeah. at me, and it's not going to be a real eyeball. It's going to be yeah. a ghost eyeball. <laughs> or what, would it be creepier if it was like a real person or a ghost? That's a very good question. <laughs> like, what makes it worse? Well, a real person I can call 911. Yeah. A ghost, I just ha- kind of have to deal with it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so stupid. So, this girl, she would hear knocking above her door at 3 a.m. every morning. and she, Or not, well, I guess it is in the morning. But 
she heard this knocking, and she's like, I know not to look out there. So okay. she never would. She never knew if it was a real person or if it was a ghost. Ugh. But she told this to her parents and said, hey, I'm experiencing this. Like, what do I do? And they're like, what you need to do is hang sweet grass above your, your bed. Mm-hmm. And that helps ward off evil spirits. That way you know if it's a person or not. So she did that, and it went away. What? Crazy, <gasps> huh? Sweet grass is sweet the grass. cure to all hauntings. Mm-hmm. You heard it here. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's proven mm-hmm. by, what's her name? Uh, Jenna. Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Um, we're taking credit for it. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> Sweetgrass. Yep. Is that outside? Taste it. You'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> My house is haunted. I'm tasting the, tasting the grass to see if this is going to help. Oh my gosh, I need to stop talking. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jenna. Yeah, thanks, Jenna, for that info. That's helpful. A woman in white is also seen in Converse Hall, which was built in 1906 and is the oldest and most iconic building on campus. That? Yep. Okay. The woman is most commonly seen on the third floor looking out from the windows down onto the campus. <gasps> no way. So like, during the day? Three. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just a person staring at us because they're like, what the hell are you doing in our parking lot? And we're like, <laughs> it's a ghost. Yeah. So do you see any woman in white? No, I see blinds, and I don't see any people. I'll keep staring at it, though. Okay, so, one night in Converse Hall, a security officer was closing the building, and he was locking up, and suddenly the lights turned on all at once (gasps) in the entire building. Turned on? Turned on. That's creepier than them going off, because then you're like, oh, the power's out. Yeah, like, you can explain that. But then they go on all at once. That's freaking weird. Well, and especially knowing that most, probably all of those lights were in the off position, you know? Yeah. So, like, what would make them turn on? Ghosts. Even I mean, a power surge. Yeah. <laughs> but what if it's, like, a crowd of ghosts? How can one ghost turn on all those lights? <laughs> they're like, okay, <"Hey>, ready? <laughs> on three. One, two, three. And they're like... Oh, did you say on three or after three? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wonder Uh, how many times they practice. (laughs) I know, they're like, this guy is going to be so freaked out. Oh, man, what would it be like? Man, to be in a group of ghosts. Yeah, it's like April Fool's Day every day. Don't you just, like, think about Casper sometimes? Yeah. When you imagine, like, ghosts in your head, like, when you're hearing a ghost story, do you picture them as, like, really cute, you know? Or do you Like a Casper ghost? Yeah. Or, like, a... Or do you picture them, like, people? Depends on the story, because, like, our scenario that we just made up for, they're all turning the light on at once. I <laughs> yeah. imagine Casper's uncles. But, like, any other one, I visualize a person. Okay. Uh, so, he was locking up one night, and all the lights turned on at once, by themselves. He went to the top floor, and he started turning off all the lights as he was going down so he could lock up and go home. Well, he got all the way to the bottom floor, finally locked up again, and he was coming down these steps and walking to his car... And he turned around, and he saw that all the lights were turned on again. You little bitches. <laughs> Wouldn't that just make you so mad? It's like, yeah. I gotta climb all those stairs again. I just have to go turn off every stinking light. <laughs> or I just like, you know what, they're just gonna be on. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I'm leaving. I did my job twice now. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So the lights turning on and off on their own is also a common theme in a building called the Nunamaker Place, or the Nunamaker Place. I think it's Nunamaker. Nunamaker Place. I believe you. Uh, Nunamaker used to be a church that was built in 1977 and is the main facility when hosting weddings. Hmm. If you look up a picture, you'll be like, okay, that's a wedding venue. Hmm. It looks more castle-y than this one. What? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. One tragedy that comes from here is that back in the day when it was a church, apparently a woman jumped from an upper balcony and leapt, basically leapt to her death. Oh, my so that was one tragedy that happened at the Nunamaker place um, way back in the day when it was a church. Wow. Another version of this story, though, is that she jumped from the bridge over Immigration Creek. So the white that blur that people been. say. Oh, okay. Yeah, so people will say it either happened there or it happened there, but... Either way, someone died somewhere. Yeah. And in both of these versions, the lady is always dressed in white. So in all the sites that I read these stories... People don't know if this lady in white is the same person or if it's a bunch of different brides. Oh. There's a lady in white here, there's a lady in white over there, lady in white over there, hmm. all over the place. So people don't know if it's the same one or if it's multiple brides. Man, I want to see what people are seeing. Right? 
So the spirit that is believed to be in the Nuna Maker place is known to be aggressive towards people that she feels is trespassing. Huh. Apparently, one time she pushed down a security officer down the stairs, and she even threw things across the room. Wow. Because she felt like they were there past... In the Nunamaker place, people also say that they experience a feeling like someone is always moving towards you or approaching you at all times. Security and students say that most of the activity happens at night at the Nunamaker place. Voices and banging sounds have been heard echoing through the air vents and through the rafters in the ceiling. Hmm. One time a security officer noticed that the lights had turned on by themselves so he radioed to his coworker to verify that nobody was in the building. I'm assuming that the coworker had access to the videos. Oh. So I guess both of them went to go check out the place on foot. Mm-hmm. They verified no one was in the building, and while they were inside the building, all of the lights turned off. <gasps> Freaking. They got you right what they were. They wanted you. Yep. Then they turned on. Then oh. they turned off. Then they turned on again. It's Casper and his <laughs> Yep. And they both verified they were completely alone. That is freaky. Another location that seems to have some strange happenings is the Payne Gymnasium. P-A-Y-N-E. <laughs> Security has claimed that their flashlights with fresh batteries will often turn off on the you say batteries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Let me start over. Security has claimed that their flashlights with fresh batteries have often turned off by themselves in the locker rooms under the gym. Oh. Under? Under the gym. Haunted for sure. Why would you ever put lockers under the gym? That is weird. That's spooky. Like, I imagine it being very, like, cold and, like, eerie. Basement with just lockers in it. Yeah. What's in it? Every locker has something hidden in it. It makes you wonder, like, why are the attics and the basements the creepiest places? There's a lot of people going in and out of the main floor. They want to be away from the common traffic. That makes sense. Also, things are usually stored in the basement or the attic, oh. like the haunted items. The things that have things attached to them? Yep. Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. at us, just no one. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the locker rooms under the gym, people have also claimed that they feel like somebody is constantly just standing behind them. <gasps> in a YouTube video created by Leko, spelled L-E-K-K-O-H, they did a paranormal investigation here on the campus. And this is back in 2020. Okay. The video first shows them in what looks like a theater uh, where they say people claim to see things and hear things that are unexplainable from the rafters from above the stage. And there's a couple theaters on campus, and it was really confusing during their video which theater they were in because oh. they didn't say the actual name. They said the nickname of the theater, like the hole and the... The, oh, For people one. who don't know the yeah. campus, it wouldn't make sense. Right. Oh, so gotcha. I, know, I know there are multiples, and they went into different theaters, so it wasn't all in the same place, but I don't know exactly which one because they didn't used... specify. Yeah, but you can definitely look at their YouTube video and see for yourself. So they went into one of these theaters where people claimed to hear noises coming from the rafters, and in the video, one, one of the investiga- investigators asks, do you have a name? And they hear Francisco in the voice box they were using, mm. or the spirit box. The next part of their video, they go into another theater, and they called it the Black Box Theater. While the theater doesn't have a huge reputation for being haunted, while they were in there, they kept feeling an overwhelming feeling of anxiety. Hmm. They also heard unexplainable banging noises coming from around them, but what's weird is that they could hear it, but their camera never picked up on the sounds. Weird. In their video, they also interview a security officer named Zim, Z-I-M. He shared a story about a little boy who died on the property back when it was a farmland. I don't know if this is a different version of the same story or if it's a totally different story. Okay. But the little boy who died, he says that he died from a farming equipment accident that chopped him in half. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, Sad, I mean, but, like, weird that it's a different story than... Yeah, so I'm like, I don't know how, what is real and what isn't, because I feel like a lot of these legends could be one story that they just made different versions of. Oh, yeah. You they know? have, like, different details, but it's the same person. Right, exactly. Or it could all just be different people. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Zim said that he saw this boy one time in the basement of the Converse Hall. He said that he was working one night in the basement, and he saw an apparition of the top half of a little boy, and then he whisked away into one of the classrooms. 
Oh, weird. Because of all the stories that came from Converse Hall, they decided to investigate it. And at one point, they were using a spirit box, and they asked, How old were you when you passed away? Then you don't hear anything, and the person that's investigating says, I'm sorry, I can't hear anything. Then you hear a voice that comes through that says, Come closer. <sighs> the end. Ooh. I want to play with the spirit box so bad. They're so expensive, though. They are expensive. I want one of those, uh, what is it called? Is it the spirit box that has, like, the dictionary that comes yeah. out? I thought. I think that's the Oculus or whatever. But the spirit box they were using was the one that's like, it sounds like a radio. And it's like, Oh. And like, you kind of hear stuff. I don't know. When I when I listened to their YouTube video, I was trying to get like a clip that we could share. I didn't hear anything. Oh, okay. They said they heard this and that, but I'm like, well, I didn't hear it. But they said they did, so. Hmm. Anyway. I want one of the ones that just has, like, words that pop up, you Yeah. Because then it's like, where did those words come from, you know? So it's not like you have to decipher what it's saying. Yeah. It's just the words come up as, huh. Yeah, that's what I want to play with. It'd be cool to have both and see if you can hear what the other ones. That would be interesting. If anyone does uh, investigations and has cool tool- tools like that, I just want to watch. That's yeah. all. I just want to be there. I won't ask any questions. I just want to be there to see. Like to witness and it. And witness it. And like have the feeling, you know? Yeah. Because like when people say they feel anxiety or they feel like it's heavy or they feel whatever, I want to experience that mm-hmm. while these things are being used. For some reason, it will just make it more real to me. I just want to do it. Well, everybody, that's episode 17. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So, the next episode is going to be April's birthday episode, so that'll be real exciting. Yay, I'm 29. Thanks for listening. Um, Please, please, please give us feedback if you so choose to be nice. (laughs) I know that half of you, or not half, it's probably like a third of you listen on Apple Podcasts, and about another third of you listen on Spotify, and I know that both of those listening platforms allow you to Rate. rate and review. So we want to hear you guys' feedback. It can be it can be negative if there's negative feedback. We really just want to know how we're doing. If there's something that you liked that hasn't been happening or something that mm-hmm. is happening that isn't the best or if it's just mediocre. Right. I mean, it's I, we just want to know what your thoughts are. I mean, yeah, cuz right now we're not going off of anything other than what's in our brains and we do we have think. one review which was really nice and we I think it, her name's Beck, Becca oh, yeah. or something like yep. that. So thank you for that. But please, um, please rate and review. And if you like it, share it with your friends. And we're we're working hard, but we also would like the feedback to know if we need to adjust or change or be um, less stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Find us on Instagram at Haunt and Cold Podcast mm-hmm. and all the other places. Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Instagram is probably the most uh, up-to-date, interactive. Honestly, I don't do anything. Katie does it all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not that much. But if you want to see what we're doing or see, like, our pictures from our episodes, because we post pictures of the locations and sometimes we do, like, videos and things like that. So if you want to see that kind of stuff, you can definitely find it on Instagram. Or our website at hauntandcold.com. Thanks for listening. We'll check you next time. Mm Okay, bye. bye.